0: everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Sometimes it's haunted, sometimes it's not. Um, and each episode, we typically bring three fics to discuss, one a piece. So, Brenna, why don't you tell us what your fic is for this episode?
1: Yes, uh, the fic I'm bringing this episode is Recognize Them by Their Fruits by Cerulean Vulpine. Um, this is a fic for the Locked Tomb series uh, by Tamsin Muir. It's a pretty gen fic from a neanthe POV, and I'm very excited to talk about these horrible little people who I love. Reed, what's yours? My fic
2: is Expedition 4 by Silver Penny. It is an R flag means death annihilation AU. Um, it is certifiably bonkers, and I'm excited to talk about it. Nick, what have you got?
0: Wow. Speaking of whack fic, um, I've brought The Dream House by ao 3 user Karan Guni. And it is for the fandoms Grand Designs TV UK and Cthulhu Mythos HP Lovecraft. Uh, it's in a screenplay script format, and it's like a little, like a little bite of a really normal episode of television.
1: Ooh!
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's just a ambient ghost noise. Reed, you can put that wherever.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll do another one. Hold on. Ooh!
2: Should I like, should I layer that underneath our intro music so it's oh, our regular yeah. jaunty intro music, but then something sounds like a little <laughs> bit wrong?
0: I like that. Yeah, please do.
2: Okay. Hey, everyone. It's almost Halloween at the time that this episode's coming out, or maybe it is Halloween. Actually, we don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll see when this gets
1: released. <laughs> it's a mystery for later.
2: <laughs> um, But this is our not quite annual this is our second time question mark doing a spooky sort of end of october halloween episode um and so we all sought out to bring horror fix and we all had a really easy and good time and found exactly <laughs> what we were looking for as it always goes when These we have a theme are here fix like
0: <laughs> be afraid
2: Oh, I don't know. Last time we did this theme, I brought um, like an original work that was like an audio work. And I do think it was like unsettling. But this year I was like, I want spooky vibes. I was like, I want to read this fic and feel bad. Mm -hmm. I did not accomplish that goal. Um, I discovered, and I know that um, Bren at least had a similar experience to me, that it is really hard to find horror fic um, I guess sort of in, in the more traditional sense of horror, just, like, searching through AO3, because a lot of things get kind of lumped under horror that are not what I was looking for, like body horror. Okay, but that's not always, like, spooky. Sometimes it's just kind of gross. Like, those, <laughs> those are different moods. Um, I don't know. I just, I found myself, like, I really, really wanted something that would, like, leave me feeling unsettled as I was reading it, that would have, like, a slow, creeping sense of dread. And, like, the fact that I brought definitely it progresses like it gets weirder you know things are going to get worse but like I never actually felt all that bad reading it like I kind of wanted to read something that was going to make me feel wretched in a similarish way that um Nick did you you didn't bring this for your birthday episode you brought now you have to let me go four dreams in a row Ooh. for just a regular
0: episode question I mark I think I did yeah I think it was just normal I think so a great fic which was
2: a phenomenal fic a 17 fic mm-hmm. um that Maybe it's not exactly horror, but definitely, like, left me feeling unsettled and bad
0: that one's and miserable. Like
2: yeah. I mean, again, phenomenal fic. But the experience of reading it was not exactly fun. And that's kind of what I wanted for this episode. And it was hard. I was, like, going through, like, the psychological horror tag. And even that was, like, not – it's what landed me at the fic that I brought. But it wasn't giving me, like, I don't know, the type of fix I was looking for.
1: Yeah, I definitely had a similar experience last time we did an episode like this. Uh, I brought a sort of like choose your own adventure, NCT, slasher film kind Vermillion of thing. Vermilion bones slither um, through my veins and make a liar out of me. Exactly. exactly. Like, we will we never forget. Um, and I was like, I can go bigger. I can go better. Like, we're, we're, we're going massive this time. Like, And then I just <laughs> couldn't find anything. Like, it was really interesting to me, both sort of like yeah how many tags get wrangled under horror so when you're looking at horror you're not just getting things tagged straight up horror you're getting psychological you're getting body horror like and a lot of these fics are like those are pretty minor warnings for them like they're not sort of central themes um or like really genre definitions like i was looking for horror as a genre not just sort of like a smaller element of a fic and it was really interesting to me because i feel like at least currently horror and like other sort of similar like thriller, true crime, all of this kind of stuff is huge in like every other medium. Like books, there are so many. Movies, so many. TV shows, so many. Podcasts, so many. Fan fiction, none. And like, I know Reed and I were sort of saying maybe there are some that we just weren't being able to find because maybe authors kind of want certain things to be more of a surprise. Maybe they aren't tagging for them. But I feel like the current tagging culture definitely leans more towards tagging more things rather than sort of like tagging less. I think it used to be more of the like, I'm going to be a little bit obscure in my tagging so I can surprise people. And I think nowadays this sort of standard is a little bit more robust with tagging not for everyone of course but just like in general I've sort of seen it trending that way um but yeah it was really like I mean I feel like I should have realized this because I just haven't come across that many fics you know organically while reading fic but I just thought maybe that there were some that I just didn't read because I don't usually like horror so I was like well certainly there must be something out here I just usually don't read horror like I don't watch horror movies I don't really watch crime shows I don't really listen to true crime podcasts But then there just wasn't, there wasn't much. (laughs) (laughs) Help, where is it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I was in a slightly different boat from these two because I've had the dream house in my back pocket for like eight months, maybe now. (laughs) Um, I only use my Marked for Later on AO3 for potential fit click picks, uh, which is a great system for me personally. I have like seven or eight things in there that I've been kicking around. Um so I was like, yeah, I'll I'll kind of corner the atmospheric horror. Like it's literally tagged for Cthulhu. It's not scary in itself, and I think the framing as like a TV show is very like bright and bubbly, but obviously horrible things are happening. So I was like, all right, sick. Um but I think I had been doing that with the intention that the other fix would be very scary. <laughs> Oh, uh, So it is really interesting. Yeah, part of me is almost like, do I start now for next year and try and find something unsettling and creepy? Uh, because it is that complicated situation where I think there are some fandoms that probably lend themselves really well to this kind of thing that we just don't really read in. Like, wow, imagine if I had dived into the Hannibal tag. Um <laughs> We're probably not going to bring fake with cannibalism (laughs) or at least a lot of cannibalism onto the pod. That is a weird um, clarifying statement, but it's true. Uh, Yeah, so I think there's that piece too where, like, man, if I were really into anime, I bet I could find some good stuff. Um, I just have a feeling.
2: I'm lacking as the I you guess like, resident weep, except like none of the shows that I watch are scary. <laughs> I escape the infinity horror. <laughs> no, let them be fine and happy. I watch other yeah. shows that are bloodier, but like okay. But here's the here's the thing: when you're like oh like source material like like as you were saying that I was thinking about it because like I know it was a huge mm. fandom, but I. It's one of those things where I feel like, yes, I am sure that when a source material is scarier, that there are probably more horror fics out there. But I also feel like what I would expect a large majority of those fics to be is either like trying to make the source material slightly less awful for the characters or like a lot of like, I don't know, again, body horror or gore or whatever. And that's fine because like gore and slashers and stuff is definitely like a genre of horror. But It wasn't for me the type of thing I was going for. Again, I wanted more of the psychological, like, deeply unsettling. And I feel like, I don't know, I I could have looked in, again, the it tag or whatever. But I feel like if you kind of already know what the thing is that makes it scary, Mm. are there going to be fixes that produce the same sort of feeling that the, like, source material does when you go into it, like, blind, so to speak?
0: yeah well i feel like you have to take source material alongside the fandom too like that's part of why i named hannibal because mm. i know a lot of those fans are going in in all kinds of terrifying directions i'm sure um some of them are like nice some of them are just straight horny but i think like there's there's at least from outside of it i've never seen an episode of hannibal and likely never will uh for a lot of reasons but mostly because i don't watch television uh I get the sense that there is a lot going on over there that is maybe not going on as much in, I don't know, again, like the Grand Designs TV UK tag,
1: uh-huh. <laughs> whatever else might be in there. Yeah, see, I wanted something kind of slasher movie-ish. Like, I wanted just, like, gore and things, but I couldn't. And, like, horror is not the only tag I tried. Like, I tried some others, too, but unfortunately, there are just fixed that, like, involve a lot of violence and gore, but, like, they're not horror or like scary fix um and they might just be for fandoms where like canonically there is a lot of that stuff um and like i kind of tried too to go into some tags for fandoms that i thought might have spookier things I and like that's honestly how I ended up finding like a locked tomb fic was because at some point I was just like well that's a thing I read that was gross at times like maybe people leaned into that but no people wrote happy AUs and I felt mad in the moment um <laughs> at another time I might not have felt mad but at that time I was like stop letting them be happy you do gross horrible things really quick I, I need a fanfiction <laughs> just like really quick just really quick, can you give me, like, a lot of body horror and sort of, like, Ianthe's terrible flesh magic that makes me want to puke like. sometimes? Um, and then we can go back to the fun stuff after that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like with some themes that we've done in the past, I maybe haven't given myself as much time to look or, like, I knew I could have done more research or whatever. This is one where I felt like I really sunk a lot of time into, like, a lot of different search methods and fandoms and et cetera and just could not find what I was looking for. And that's not to say that it's not out there, but, yeah. It Clearly whatever. It's not easy I've...
1: to find if it is <laughs> yeah. out there. I wonder um, about length,
0: too. Do you think some of the more effective horror or, like, horror-adjacent stuff is quite long?
1: Oh, maybe. I don't know, because I think, like, in sort of published literature you can have really effective horror short stories or novellas or like novel length books um so i feel like it would be totally possible to write like a 5 to 10k fic that's really like sticks with you i just couldn't find anything like that
0: yeah yeah I should have brought Friend of the Pod, Not Springs, fic, one of her only ones that I haven't read because it's tagged eye horror. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I don't know like if I can eye do stuff. that. <laughs> Me neither. But it would have been horrifying, probably. Well, it seems
2: like eye trauma is a no from all three of us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is this why we couldn't find horror Because we're babies? I don't know. I think i, I don't like think also, so. if I saw a pick, and it was just like tagged, for some normal things and like, eye horror, I probably wouldn't have clicked on it for this because, like, that also wasn't really... That's I don't fair. know. I, I feel like I was just looking for, like... I was like, where can I find, basically, the equivalent of experience of going into, like, the horror, mystery, thriller section mm. of a bookstore or, like, library on AO3, but I couldn't find it. <laughs> like... Ficklets if, if one of you is the Stephen King of fanfiction, can you <laughs> let us know? <laughs> yeah, or if you, like, know someone who is, like, if you yeah. know where to find it... LMK, I'm on a cert, and yeah, I need to start looking for next year already.
0: (laughs) To talk about Iante's magic of the flesh, let's get into our first discussion sesh.
1: Brenna? Alright, so my fic pick for this episode is Recognize Them by Their Fruits by Cerulean Vulpine. Um... As I mentioned in the intro, this is a fic for the Locked Tomb series by Tamzimir. I don't. I feel like the, the tag is still Locked Tomb trilogy, but it's no longer a trilogy, so I'm not. That's <laughs> a struggle there. It's fine. Moving on. Um, this is a gen fic. It features our main characters as Ianthe and also God, aka John, aka Jod, aka many other names and titles. Um, This fic is set directly post Harrow the Ninth, the book Harrow the Ninth, Um, and it was written prior Nona the Ninth coming out. So um, it doesn't feature any spoilers for Nona, but it does feature spoilers for Harrow and Gideon. Um, And our discussion, I think, will as well (laughs) in order to talk about this fic. Um, In terms of content warnings, I would say it's all pretty canon compliant, um, but there is, like, gross Body horror, magic stuff, um, like necromancy stuff. I think that's the primary one. Again, very canonish. Um, but if you are unfamiliar with canon, it's a little, it's a little gross. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so this fic basically features the aftermath of Hera uh, the Ninth and what Anthe, on her own with God, is basically going through in the. Uh, days weeks months after um that book and after quote the emperor's murder yeah so i as i mentioned in the intro got sick of trying to find the fix tagged for horror so i just went over to the locked tomb tag and then i read this and it was really good um so this is this fic is written in ianthe pov well it's technically written in second person pov but you are traveling along with ianthe the the u is ianthe um so i'm counting it as an ianthe pov um And I think it's really interesting. I think it sticks really closely to the tone of Tamsin's writing, um, which is one of the things that really drew me in about it. Um, And I think it actually still works amazingly well, even in the context of Nona. In kind of going back and reading Lock Team's Fix, I did have some experiences of getting horribly confused because of things that like uh author had expanded on that then got completely retconned by Nona which like is not the author's fault of course (laughs) but like was it just a confusing reading experience because of now having the events of Nona this one like slots in really nicely which also like was fun having just come off of like reading Nona and feeling um out of my gourd about it all I also just like I adore the locked tomb and everything about it, so um, I was delighted to bring another fic and like to bring something that sort of focused on some of the other characters than Gideon and Harrow, even though I love them dearly, I think it was fun to sort of hang out with some other folks. Um, also, like, Ian Thay and God are both sort of terrible people, which I thought was fitting for a Halloween episode. <laughs> um, like, is God our big bad of the locked tomb? Signs point to yes. <laughs> uh so yeah i had a fun time hanging out with their horrible selves in this um i think yanthe is less horrible than than god which is saying something because that girl wow she has some shit going on <laughs> but then you think um, about was it
2: like wherever it was that tamson was like coronabeth is the worst twin and yeah, it's like it haunts me it haunts what does me. that
1: mean i don't know rattling the bars of my cage tamson <laughs> tell me things um but yeah, I love Iante. Uh I think she's a fascinating character, so I was really glad to spend some time with, I think, this really well done kind of character study moment of her. Um, Alright, so those are my thoughts on why I brought this fic. Uh, co-hosts, what were your experiences?
0: I really, really loved this fic. Yante is the worst and I love her. I've gotten very attached. Uh, she has become my Halloween costume, and I feel like in constructing it, uh, I have become significantly more attached to her as a character. Um, also bren when you were talking about um it being in second person my brain went you are ianthe in the same cadence as one might read the poem you are jeff by richard sykin <laughs> uh, like you're in a space oh, station with grief. a horrible girl <laughs> <laughs> um, yes yeah uh, fan poetry if you will Fil- filk poetry i'm actually not sure what that would be um anyway aside from that i thought that this fic was so well written i think not to be back in nick's pastiche corner but it's very much written in the style of tam's and mirror in the lock tune do not make that face at me read i've pastiche, explained pastiche though. so okay. many times
1: God, damn it i do- <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna go find like a professor at a local college and be like hello professor at a claimed local college can you please explain the concept of pastiche to me because every time my friend mentions it on our podcast i become more confused than ever before in my life i'm looking for two new co-hosts for the show fit
0: click uh the only part of the application process is proving to me that you understand pastiche
1: (laughs) it's just like like you said pastiche and i had like pastiche
0: then (laughs) no no, what? So
1: how is this more pastiche than other?
0: <laughs> it's literally written in the style of Tamsin Muir.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But many things Thank are you. written in the style of their thing. Many things are pastiche. The now that okay,
2: now that you're listening to the Murderbot audiobooks,
1: yes. the Murderbot fic
2: that
0: Bren brought, like, is that a pastiche? I would say okay. To be fair. Ficklets, let's let's back up a little bit here the first time I ever spoke about pastiche I did say I was using a loose definition because originally it's only for like very specific contexts I am loosening the d- yeah I'm I'm breaking boundaries I've broken the glass ceiling I know, of you pastiche loosened it so
1: much that I no longer know what fits inside that's not or outside. on me
0: that's not on me that's on you um <laughs> I don't think it's entirely on me anyway anyway I'm just trying to say that it is very ballsy to try and write a locked tomb fic in the style of the locked tomb, specifically with some of the turns of phrases, um, and not just the actual turns of phrases themselves, but the style of them, the cadence, the rhythm, the language, uh, the irreverence that you see throughout a lot of this that is mixed with some really intense emotional moments that still maintain their punch, if you will. Um, I think it was incredibly well done, and I do not know that I would have had the guts to try a fic like this, so I deeply respect it, and I enjoyed it so much. I have to be honest, like, this fic is kind of what I wish so much more of Nona actually was, <laughs> so I am so- I feel healed. It's not healing my inner child, because I was 25 when I read Nona the Ninth, healing my inner 25-year-old, which is also my <laughs> outer 25-year-old, <laughs> they're the same. Yeah. <laughs> healing hey, myself
1: at ao3 user cerulean Volpine, do you want to like rewrite no <laughs> we had some issues but we think you might be able to fix them genuinely
0: yes um, so yeah i mean overall i'll have a lot more to say about it soon but i was just so delighted i was not expecting to like this as much as i ended up liking it because the first few sentences i was like oh okay we're trying and then it, we absolutely were succeeding
2: yeah, I do want to say, um, Bren, when you were like, ooh, this fic has spoilers for Gideon and Harrow, but not Nona, um, I do feel like our discussion might end up having spoilers for Nona.
0: <laughs> oh, that's um, true. Yeah, that's A little bit.
2: So I am just putting that and out there now. certainly for Harrow. Um, well, yes. Um, but yeah, if if you have read the first two books, but haven't read Nona, and you <coughs> do not want a single bit of spoilers, this might not be the discussion for you. Okay, great. Moving on. I, too, really liked this fic. Um, for all that I still don't understand what a pastiche is, Nick do not at me. Um, I no, I very much was impressed by how well I feel like this author did like mimic the the tone of the locked tomb and like the necromancy stuff. Like, when I'm reading those books, there's so many details of like The human body that I just sort of skim over, not even because I think it's gross, but because it's like, I don't know what this is referring to, and I don't care. I'm getting the gist of, like, what is being described. And, like, this author managed to mimic that in a way that I found so impressive, in addition to, you know, as Nick was saying, the sort of irreverency and the everything else. Um, I was also so impressed by how well this fit into canon, even though, like, it was written before Nona came out. Like, obviously, it is not an expectation of any author that they write fake that, like, ooh, you should know what's going to happen in the next book and not contradict it. But I'm impressed that this author somehow, like, really managed to do that. I think it was so fun to be in Anthes POV in part because, like, so I was talking to a friend yesterday about the Locked series. And I was like, oh, who are your favorite characters? And they were like oh, it's so hard for me to answer a question like that because normally when I like get into media, I like the characters I'm supposed to like and I don't like the characters I'm not supposed to like. And I was like, but I I feel like that's so, those lines get so blurred here because I was like, Anthe kind of is a horrible person, but I love her. And my friend Gav was like, oh my God, no, you're so right. Like, Anthe queen, we do love her. And like when I was getting like live texts from this friend as they were reading or listening to Harrow and they were like, I don't know if this is going to remain true, but, like, God actually seems, like, so nice and friendly. Like, I actually think he's, he might be a decent guy. And I was like, and you might think that. Um. So, yeah, I, I yes, this is a bit of a tangent, but I had so much fun being in Anthe's POV. I think she really is a character that is, like, we support women's wrongs. She's not good in any way, shape, or form. She does a lot of fucked up shit. And she largely only cares about herself and her sister, but in a kind of fucked up way. Um, Like, nothing about that relationship is good either. And yet, love her. Love spending more time with her. Love to know what she's up to, or imagine what she's up to. This fic was just very good.
1: Yes, fully agreed. I think the Lock Tomb series does a lot of work to sort of make us feel uncertain about our feelings towards characters. Um, Like, people aren't cut and dry in that series at all. <laughs> um and it's very easy to have a terrible fave. <laughs> um but I also think characters like Yanthe you have moments of genuine like positive feelings towards her and then also moments of feeling so mad at her and like so grossed out by her. Um I feel I feel I've felt the whole spectrum of human emotion towards Yanthe at various times over the three books we've had so far and I assume that will continue. Um But I think something about The Locked Tomb is that, like, the series itself plays so much with POV. Like, that is a huge aspect of the books, or is, like, kind of an an exercise and study in what POV does to a book and to narration. And so, so much of the time, we're only getting characters, like, from the outside. Like, they're never, like, we're never really getting this sort of third-person omniscient, like we kind of know the internal thoughts of a lot of different characters at a time and can sort of trust that we're getting their own thoughts and feelings, but then also other people's thoughts and feelings about them in contrast. And we're building this sort of objective and subjective picture of them. Like, that's not the locked tomb way at all. (laughs) And so I think it was really, like, rewarding and interesting to read from the Ianthe POV when that's not something we've ever gotten in the books, at least to this point. Um, And also because it was something that I was, like, craving while reading nona um i think when Neanthe shows up again in that book i was like girl i don't understand what's happening with you and i have a million million questions and i'm i'm lost and i'm intrigued um and while this doesn't answer those questions obviously like this fic doesn't answer those questions i think it was still like it does such a good job of i think getting in her head um and presenting a very like realistic and believable version of the character and a character who is so contradictory to herself so many times in the book um like she is not a cut and dry character at all i mean none of the characters in the lock tomb i think really are uh but ianthe i think is such a mystery so many of the times and something i think tamsin does incredibly well is like give us these moments where a character does something that you never saw coming but then in retrospect it makes so much sense and i think this fic kind of does that really well with ianthe as well it gives her a moment of being able to do that um And so I found that just like a really, really rewarding reading experience. Um, yes, Yes. I want to talk
0: about the prose a little bit, uh, because I think if you haven't read The Locked Tomb, it's very hard to describe exactly the style of writing, but it's so distinctive. Um, So this is a little chunk from about the middle of the fic, uh, where I think you can see a really good mix of the kind of elevated language and the elegance of the writing but then also you've got some uh some goofiness so it it reads this leaves you with your tight grip on your stress hormones and the emperor framed against the void by the broad plex window a worn black gap between stars you venture to attempt meeting his eyes in the reflection but he stares past the window past you out into nothing you suspect he might have no pun intended spaced out again until he says, "I rely on your discretion," which is, "Yes, sure, you've been discreet as fuck, etc., etc." Um, it's very fun, and it's very kind of it flips back and forth, but in a way that feels very coherent. And again, this is—I think—it's so hard to do, and I'm so impressed that this author managed to do it with such confidence. And it just, it works. It works so well. And Deanthe very much is a character who, um, like many of the other characters in this books, like will speak in memes on occasion, will say a bunch of nonsense, but also means fucking business when she means business. I just love that. I thought it was reflected super well.
2: With the memes thing, I was just looking at the line, because in in Harrow, you get a lot of Jod making like present day memes. And in this fic, there's a bit where Jod is carrying Deanthe through the river and he's like muttering something and Deanthe is like trying to figure it out. And the fic reads, the words, when you scrape together enough gray matter to make them out, seem to be about diminishing liquor supplies. So, John is literally trekking, going like 99 bottles of beer on the wall, is what I imagine that to be. <laughs> ah, that ha, song over read. and over. And I was like, ha ha ha. But I was like, yeah, that's so fun and so good. Like, because that is exactly the type of way that Tamsin would slip in, like a, mm-hmm. you know, you get Nun House left grief or all that nonsense in the books.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gideon got the depression.
2: Mm-hmm. Gideon got the depression. I, some iconic lines. Also, the worm with problems from Nona. That's me. <laughs> I am the worm with problems. <laughs> something else briefly while we're talking about sort of this fic mirroring canon um, and something that this author could not have known but I really liked is the title is Recognize Them by Their Fruits. And like later there's a bit where um, Iante says some wretched stuff and John kind of to himself goes, oh, you will recognize them by their fruits. And it's um, a quote from Matthew seven. 7- 15, I don't know how to read these. I'm so sorry. Matthew 7, 15, question mark? That's correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it says, um, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Which, like, yeah. And the whole thing that it is, like the 15 to 20, like that whole bait is so good when you think about yeah they? But I was like I fucking love this because not only does it work so well in this fic but it mirrors what happens in Nona so much where you get literally yeah. Book of Jod where you get like his POV chapters <laughs> and they're titled with well that's what they are because the it chapters is, are yeah. titled John whatever whatever and then they do relate to like actual Bible passages. So that was just one of those things that I was like I would love to know like what goes on in this author's brain that they were able to be so in step with Timson because I for one would find that an impossible task.
0: Yes. I need to jump in on this because the one of my favorite scenes of this entire fic is the one that contains that quote a bit further towards the end. Uh, because I think this this is so masterful. Ianthe and Jod, both terrible, horrible... Um, we are compelled by them for very different reasons, I think. Um, And they have this conversation where they are talking absolutely past each other. And Ianthe really is not able to comprehend why he doesn't understand what she's saying, but you as the reader easily can. Um, And I thought that was so smart. So, okay, holy cow, we're going to do the fastest locked tomb summary here that I can. (laughs) um, Specifically about, okay, so you've got your necromancers and you've got your cavaliers. In order to become a lictor, which Ianthe is, in which Jod is like mega lictor Um, you have to kill kill your cavalier it's basically like consume your cavalier into your power so that you can have them Um, for Jod this is like an ultimate tragedy it's a really horrible thing he wishes he didn't have to ask it of people how sincere is that like tragic sense of his, it's hard to say, um, especially because his own path to Lictorhood is very complicated and different, and I'm not going to spoil what happens to Nona, but wow, we, we find out a lot about that. Um, Ianthe's whole point here is she doesn't understand why Jod is not like, yes, you are my most loyal person, and I believe in you and trust you, because Ianthe didn't have to be asked. She killed her cavalier, and she does not regret it for a single second. She's like, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I would kill him a million times. And it's like, okay, brutal for Niberius. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's trying to like convey this sincerity to him. Um, wow, I said that and then looked back at the fic, and it says, You muster every trick you have to communicate sincerity. You are, for once, sincere. Exactly. Wow, good summarizing by me. Um and so they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and she's like, I did it with open eyes, I would do it again, and then you get to God at the end who says, Stop. No matter what you say, I wish I had asked less of you. I wish things were different. What a pointless thing to say. We do what we have to, don't we? And let the pieces fall where they may. Faith isn't quite right, I think. Rise, Ianthe the first, saint of necessity. You rise. You don't feel great about it. It's so good. It's, it's so awful. freaking good. I'm obsessed <laughs> with it. Um, Iante, we did confirm this just before recording today, is not canonically <laughs> the saint of necessity. Um, she is the saint of awe. More spoiler horns. You, that's a minor one. Um, but. I am obsessed with the way that it slots in in this fic. I'm obsessed with the choice. Again, it's a big swing. I think it's incredibly well executed. And oh, I just like it so much. I don't even have good words to explain how good I think that scene in particular is. And that really feels like the center of this whole story.
2: This is, sorry, I don't think this is going to be something that either of you will connect to, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, As a wee child, this is not going to seem relevant, but it is, as a wee child, I watched the movie Monsters, Inc. about a bajillion times because it was a DVD that we had in the car that I would watch when my dad was driving. And there's a line towards the end of the movie where the, like, evil guy, literally, he's like, I'd kidnap a thousand children before I let this company die. And there's a bit in the fic that's like, I would kill a hundred cavaliers and not regret one strike. And I keep reading it in that exact same tone. Anyway. This scene does bang, but I do a little bit think about monsters
0: (laughs) when I'm looking (laughs)
1: back at it. Honestly, I don't think Tamsin would be that mad about it. I can't speak (laughs) for (laughs) your user, Cerulean Volpine, but like... (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, something else that's just really interesting about putting these two characters in particular together, I think, is, like, I don't know about you two, but this sort of goes back to what Reed was saying about just, like, characters and how do you feel about God? How do you feel about E.M. And, like, For me, my trajectory with these two characters has been kind of opposite, almost. Like, not entirely, like, not one-to-one opposite, but ianthe at the, the beginning i was like wow who is this horrible little gremlin girl and ianthe was outwardly very much like i am an evil little gremlin girl don't <laughs> trust me what the fuck and then like harrow's like well you're the only one around so i'm gonna trust you and then by the end of harrow i have awful horrible wretched fondness for ianthe and i almost feel indebted to her on like harrow's behalf because i love harrow so much and i my Stockholm syndrome but like yeah, positive like, <laughs> but like i And then, like, throughout these books, you start to see, like, these real cracks in Neonthe's facade where she does actually have human emotions, even though she'd like to pretend that she doesn't and wishes you thought that she didn't. Um, But, like, she does. They're just, like, all messed up and, like, wibbly and weird and not quite what you expect of them. But, like... We know that she does have some sort of twisted, but very true and real love towards Corona. And we know that she also does have some kind of weird fondness and, like, I don't know, um loyalty maybe i can't think of the right word towards harrow as well um like they have some kind of bond um that is is genuine i believe um even though it's also very twisted and weird but like we start to get these feelings about her and i'm like ah i actually find her so compelling and i love her in a weird horrible way and i want to see more of her and then, John, at the beginning, you're like, oh, cool. Like, this guy seems like normal, but like a little bit weird. But he's like kind of trying to help Harrow. And like, I appreciate that from him. And like, he seems very sincere. And yeah, I think he is sincere, is the problem. It's just that what he believes to be true and what he believes to be true about himself are like false things because he's very much like, hello, I'm a benevolent saint, and I've fortunately I've had to make people do these sad and terrible things. And I know they're sad and terrible, and I feel bad about them. But also I would do them a million times over. Um and by the end you're like, what the fuck is this man on about? (laughs) Like he believes what he's saying and he very much presents himself outwardly as like this good person. He's always trying to do the best thing he can and always trying to take care of people. And you're like, oh no, 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 no. (laughs) Um well, you
2: get some, like, horrible, like, tender moments in Harrow where Jod says things to Harrow that's like, like, I see you as a daughter. Like, I wish you were my daughter or whatever. He treats her with such, I think, genuine kindness. A little, I mean, out of pity to some extent because they're all like, look at this broken lictor baby. Mm-hmm. But, like, the way he treats her, he sees as a kindness. She wants to fling herself out of the Mithrayim. Um, But it is the thing where it's like he doesn't. I don't know, he doesn't come across as, like, evil or manipulative, I think exactly because of what you were saying, that it's because he so genuinely believes in what he's saying. He's not, a lot of the time, I think, he's not, like, trying to lie to people and present, like, a false version of himself, it's just that his view of everything is, like, deeply fucked. And I found that so, so interestingly reflected in this fic, where, like, Jod also sort of has to take care of Yanthe, and Viante also finds it horrible in the way that Harrow did, although I think for different reasons... <laughs>
1: well and also ianthe is put in this position of now having to caretake a god something that i don't too. think she ever imagined having to do and is both like kind of like well yes i'm gonna do this because it's my duty but also like kind of weirded out by it and almost like grossed out by it i feel like like she's yes. like this is a, like kind of a affront to the universe that this is the position that i've been put in um and they're just such an interesting dynamic between the two of them like They are characters who in no way kind of see the world in the same way, and yet are being forced to confront it together here. Um, Yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah, she finds the fact that he's so pitiful at points in this fic kind of
0: revolting. Yeah. And that's so good, and that's so real. And there is something really interesting about Ianthe, and this fic in particular. It seems like a lot of her goal, it's like, power, sure, like... Being able to do what she wants, sure, but a lot of it also seems like this desire to meet her match. And so there is something really horrible about being like, oh, God kind of sucks. So, like, where do I go from here? There's no one else around. I'm just kind of doing what I can. Um, yeah, there is something really terribly lonely about it, I think.
1: Absolutely. And I think, like, kind of, I want to talk about the, the very end of this, uh, I was going to say, article. <laughs> <laughs> <No. laughs> this scholarly article um of of this piece of fan fiction um because part of this is that like both um ianthe and god are kind of seeing people who aren't really there um and ianthe is chalking this up to like the experience in the river and basically like a whole like a river hangover essentially um and well god we don't really know but god seems to have some be haunted in some regard, even in Harrow. Um, if you, if you look closely, um, this is where kind of, I might get into some more known spoilers accidentally, but mostly focusing on this fic, um, throughout this fic, God seems to be seeing the same body that Harrow saw in Harrow. Um, and there's a point at the end where, uh, Ianthe sees it as well. Um, and the corpse is basically like lie and which, you know, Like, the corpse also says to Harrow at certain points in Harrow, um, which I just thought was interesting. But basically, um, I just want to read the end, because I think it's really good. (laughs) So it reads, You walk back out of the sad, blank little room. You can't lie to God, but you can lie to a man who never liked you and doesn't know you very well. My lord, you say, and you kneel before the emperor and bow your head and look up through the sheer veil of your hair. There's nothing there. He sways back like he's been punched you watch with interest as god continues to crack apart you wonder what you can make with the pieces like <sighs> banger absolutely banger and i think so uh oh, such a goody anthe characterization i love that she makes the choice to lie to him i think it's so fitting with this fic i think it's so fitting with like aunt they and i also love the fact that basically she's just been so disillusioned um by seeing him be this pathetic wreck of a man that she kind of detests because he's not supposed to be that and he's supposed to be the one thing that she was kind of fighting to be equal to and that doesn't even exist anymore so what is she even like aiming for and maybe it's just hers for the taking a little bit and does she know what she's gonna do with it no but she's gonna try anyway and i uh, it's so good it is so good
2: um, because all three of us and some friends are all dressing as like Lock Tomb characters for Halloween. Do you think like we should have found like a pathetic little man to to come <laughs> do a little stand-in <laughs> as a bit for like a John cameo?
1: Absolutely. Find a pathetic little man. <laughs> but little like a a, are you a pathetic little man who's innately hateable. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, come make an appearance at this party for like twenty minutes so yeah. we can stage some group photos and then leave please because we don't <laughs> actually so know you
1: yeah good all right so that was our discussion of recognize them by their fruits by cerulean Volpine, a excellent little lock character study i think particularly if you've read gideon harrow i would recommend reading this if you have not i would not recommend reading this um because mostly just because it will be deeply confusing and also like potentially give you spoilers um But yeah, I had an amazing time with this fic, even though it wasn't quite the slasher fic of my dreams that I was looking for. I still felt incredibly rewarded by reading it. And yeah, the Lock Tomb has spooky Halloween vibes, and we're leaning into that. So I'm counting it. In the Lock Tomb, uh, Harrow finds a tower in the middle of a river. In this fic, and also Annihilation, they find a tower in the middle of a haunted swamp forest. (laughs)
2: So, as mentioned in the intro, my fic is Expedition 4 by Silver Penny. It is an r-flag-means-death fic, an Annihilation AU. The pairings are tagged... Well, the main pairing is tagged uh, Blackbeard slash Steed. But, he, okay, here's the thing about this fic. If you are one of our listeners who loves r-flag-means-death, and you were like, oh my god, fic click, pod they're finally doing it. They're doing an r-flag-means-death fic. Um... I regret to inform you this fic might not be filling the needs that you want it to be, <laughs> um, at least in terms of discussing the fandom. This is fully set within the world of Annihilation, although it's not like like the canon characters from the book slash movie are not here, but it is fully an Annihilation AU. Uh, none of the characters ever get named until, spoilers at the very end, we do get Steed's name, but everyone else is just referred to by like an occupation, and it's in first person, so we're in Blackbeard's POV, but you never get his name either. And, yeah, is it Blackbeard slash Steed? Question mark. I, I guess it's not not that. Uh, There are other characters here. You can read who they are in the tags because, quite frankly, I don't know who is who because, once again, we do not get names in this fic. Um, I have not seen the Annihilation movie, nor have I read the books, although I have read now Wikipedia summaries for both, Um, and I've read an article about them. I think the movie might be more horror than this fic brenna can probably speak to that more but uh in terms of content warnings honestly not a lot um this fic is tagged for mild body horror which i think does make sense but otherwise like it's just kind of weird things just go very sideways um which i guess okay i guess if you have no familiarity with the annihilation series This fic is tagged for no annihilation knowledge required. I maybe would have a slight qualm with that. I think if you (laughs) literally didn't know anything, this fic would be more confusing than it already is. Um, And the fic is meant to be confusing, to be clear, Um, or at least I believe it is by nature of like annihilation. But basically a very, very shortened version of what I know about it. So what I think you would need to know about it is that this weird patch of land, in this case, it happens in Florida, pops up that the government has labeled Area X where again everything is just kind of going sideways like nature is not behaving as it should there are a lot of weird unexplained mysteries um for this fic in particular there were three expeditions that were sent in before this one but there is very 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 limited knowledge um, about what happened in them especially like almost none of that knowledge is shared with the crew of expedition four so they go in just knowing like The laws and rules of, like, nature and Earth as we know it are not right. There is something about this area that is not right, and it is their job as a group of researchers, scientists, a fighter, etc., their different occupations, to go in, take field notes, and leave. And I think you can imagine that is exactly what happens. They go in, they do their science job exactly, and they leave, and nothing weird happens at all, and everything is fine. No, um... Once you go into Area X, you are not coming back out, or if you are, not the same. Or if you are coming back out, is it really you? Mm. Um, Clones are very much a thing in the canon. There is a lot of just wonky things happening here. So that is, I think, what I would give you about the, the vague premise of where this fic takes place. So Expedition 4 is both the fourth expedition and also has four people. It consists of the fighter, the engineer, the ecologist, and the captain. The captain is whose POV we're in, and that is Blackbeard. Um, and it is first-person POV, which I found really interesting. Um, I did like that all three of our fix all had kind of different POV narrative situations going on. I thought that was quite fun. So as I said, they are sent into Area X to investigate. Um, and one of the things you learn almost immediately is they came across a tower there's some debate amongst the crew about whether it's a tower because it goes like down into the ground some people say it's like a tunnel or a well um but blackbeard who's pv we are in calls it the tower and he is fascinated by it he cannot stop going back to it he wants to know more it starts speaking to him and he's like aha my good friend the tower um so you're getting just like little snippets of expeditions as the team is exploring more and more of area x but everything really keeps coming back to the mystery of the tower and the captain's um, like draw to it. I, I feel like I'm probably going to call him the captain more than his name because we just don't get names in this fic, but we'll see. Um, I will say also regarding no names, the most exposure I had to our flag means death canon was listening to the, um, ficlet made episode for our anniversary yes. in which they discussed in our flag means death fic. And listening to that discussion, I was like, wow, I knew even less about this canon than I thought I did. Um, I thought I learned things and then I went into this fic and I, ooh, I thought that Steed and Bonnet were two different people. I think I confused like Ed's name with Steed. I think I just made like that one person. I was sure person. Steed
0: was the ship name. So <laughs> then I was like, oh, well, that's just one guy. <laughs> um, so Steed
2: Bonnet is one lad. Anyway, yes. Sorry. That was a very rambly intro, but it, this is a very hard fic to describe, quite honestly. Um, I think by nature of just sort of like the canon and what it is. Oh, but I do also want to shout out, it is part of a big bang. So there's some really, Yay. really cool art that takes place sort of in the beginning, middle and end by two different artists. Um, so that was a fun little thing. That also helped me. Um, I was like, Taiko Waititi is the captain. This this much I know. <laughs> and I knew it was his POV from the beginning because he's the first piece of art we get. And I was like, great. I've got a grounding piece. Um, yes. Sorry. Again, those are my rambly thoughts. So I will now turn it over to my co-hosts.
1: Yeah, I think I have the most knowledge of both of these canons. I don't know that it helped me a ton. <laughs> um but I I have some. I don't have a complete picture of either one. Um I have watched about half of Our Flag Means Death, so I'm kind of familiar with the characters in it, but like not as much as people who have either watched all of it or like are in the fandom. Um Also, like, I don't know how much that helped me for this fic because, again, we don't really have names of characters. um, And, like, I assume that the other people in the expedition are characters from Our Flag Means Death, but I wasn't really sure who was whoever. So I kind of just read them as OCs. Um, which I think was fine Um, I have some knowledge of Annihilation as well I've read the book and I have seen the movie I have not however read the other two books in the Southern Reach trilogy I have read their Wikipedia pages but like (laughs) it's a very confusing like world presented in those books um and I don't think the books, like, I think the books intentionally do not explain everything even in the end. Like, you get some answers, but I do not think it's, like, clear cut for the reader. Um, at least that's the impression I get from, like, having read summaries and, like, discussions online about them. Um, so, I don't know. I found this very interesting because I really like the world of Annihilation. I think it's a really interesting space for people to play in. And, like, I really like the book and the movie. I definitely think this is less horror than either of those. Although I don't find either of them like particularly horror. Otherwise I couldn't have consumed them because I am baby. Um, but this fic does remove some of the horror elements from those. Like it doesn't have any of the kind of creatures that are in area X that are like in the movie. And in this, like the, the tower is nice in this fic because spoilers, the tower is steed. Um, Unlike in Annihilation, where like the tower is the crawler who says horrible, terrifying things to you, um, and I guess like in the end we learn that it was a person at one point, but it's it's much less human in Annihilation than it is in this, where it seems to really be like still very much steed. Um. So I think some of the some of the horror elements have been stripped away in this, um, but it definitely is still kind of has the soul of Annihilation and like the the world of Area X, um yeah in annihilation it's in florida too i don't know that's sorry that's a small detail oh i did not (laughs) know that's true to both um okay yeah um but it seems to have come about in slightly different ways maybe i'm not sure i think the place where i did struggle it it almost might have been easier if i had less annihilation knowledge because i kept having that experience of trying to line up what this author was doing versus the canon and it's partially on me for like not having a super clear picture of the canon and like not remembering things so I just felt like my brain was kind of an overdrive trying to piece together like wait is this annihilation canon or is this like a choice this author is making to tweak it to fit their story um and I think like I had to reread parts of the end and I think in the end I've got like a clearer picture of it but that's definitely where I struggled a little bit and I don't think that's on the author that's just like I don't know that's often why I don't read like fix like this where it's sort of set in a world of another piece of media or i don't read a lot of like adaptations of things like oh this is a cinderella retelling this is an alice in wonderland retelling because my brain just does the thing of being like i get confused by like is this taking from the canon of the original thing or are we like tweaking it and if i don't know the original canon well enough i just get lost and like that's a brahma problem um so i definitely struggle with that a little bit in reading this uh But I think it's a very, very cool concept, um, and I did think it had a very good execution. Um, certain things Reed mentioned, I think, are also taken from the book Annihilation. Like, I'm pretty sure the book is in first-person POV from The Biologist, um... If not, it's in, like, a very close third. Uh, Like, we're only really seeing her experience, um, but I can't remember exactly what the POV is. I think, Um, if
2: I'm remembering the Wikipedia summary correctly that I read, it's her journal that we're reading.
1: Yes, I think that's right. Okay. (sighs) I'm not sure. Journals play a big part. I haven't read I read it. (laughs) I read this book like six years ago. So it's not the freshest. I think there's a copy somewhere in this house, but I did not go find it prior to recording. Um and then also, yeah, the the her the expeditions in the book are also kind of they're just they just use titles. So it's like the biologist, the linguist, the psychologist or something. Um There are many more expeditions. They're on, like, number 12 or something in Annihilation, Um, where here they're on number 4. But, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, that's just, like, extra (laughs) bits of context, I suppose. Um, But, yeah, I thought the concept of this was really interesting, and there's some things that, like, I'm not 100% sure about towards the end, but that I'm excited to, like, talk about and dig into. um, Because I think, like, I don't know. I do like things that, like, present us with questions that are potentially, like, not super clearly answered um in in all forms of media i enjoy that
0: i did enjoy this fic a lot i don't know anything about anything if i'm honest like nothing blank blank mind um i know that the annihilation movie had natalie portman and oscar isaac facts that's it Uh, So I did my best as we moved through. Um, I loved this was a first-person POV. I am a huge proponent of alternative POVs in fic, especially ones that are roundly hated. Uh, (laughs) I think you can do anything well. And so I love it when people have the guts to, like, try it out. Like, I I have known many people throughout uh, my time in fandom who are like, I'll never read something in first-person that's an automatic click away. And I'm like, I'm going in. Uh, I mean, hey, sometimes... Okay, I think you can write bad fic in any POV. That's just my opinion. So that's why I like to, I don't know, explore, enjoy. I think it also speaks to a confidence that I always really appreciate. And um, presumably Annihilation is either in first person or has a lot of journal entries that would be in first person. So that also feels like it aligns really nicely. I don't really like retellings in original fiction, but I quite like them in fic. Um, I love an AU of an AU, uh, if you will. Um, I just think oh, that's actually not the right way to phrase that at all. I, I love a crossover where one setting is like the setting and then the other one is the characters. Amazing. That's what I A fusion, if you will. I am just using terms randomly, <laughs> you know what I mean,
2: <laughs> no, this is because I was trying to figure out how to explain that like it is our flag means death, but it's not really. and I couldn't think of the word, but I think like fusion or crossover was maybe more what I was yeah. going for. It's Although just fa- I think yeah. for
0: like crossover and fusion specifically, I assume characters from both canons will be present, yeah, so whereas that's a yeah, tough this one. is
2: firmly setting from one characters from another
0: right this
1: is an our flag means death, annihilation. annihilation AU. you, yeah. I guess. (laughs) That's that's what
0: it is. No, you're correct. Yeah. yeah. Regardless, I like it. I think it's fun and interesting. And I I don't know, I think it gives me an opportunity to appreciate new material because I have no annihilation knowledge, really. So I was like, oh, this is a fun world. Um, I didn't know what was going on for a lot of it, but I am a person who really likes science. That was what I thought my job was going to be for many, many, many years of my life. Um, That makes me sound old. When I was young, I wanted to be a scientist, (laughs) and that was true pretty much until I became an adult. Um, So I really liked the little glimmers that we got of science, um, particularly at one point that I'll talk about later. Um, And I found this fic, like, the writing to be so evocative of setting and place in a way that I feel like I haven't seen in a lot of stories. And so I loved that as someone who struggles to be that way about setting. I don't, I'm like, they're in a blank room. Okay, let's move on and have feelings. So I really liked how intrinsic the setting was to the story and like the physical details of the setting and locations that they were in throughout felt very present. And that got boosted by the art. I love a big bang. I love a fandom event. So I'm sure we'll talk about that too. But overall, it was a really enjoyable experience. I am someone who is happy to be confused. So I was rolling through, like, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I'm still having a good time.
2: Yeah. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, like, this was a confusing fic, again, I think, on purpose. Um, it is one that on a reread, I definitely was more grounded in some parts and also did not get all of the answers to things I was looking for. And I think that was fine. Um, something that was kind of interesting for me reading it on the second time is I had gone looking for some more Annihilation uh, Canon, like I was looking at like Wikipedia summaries, and I don't know how I ended up here, but I ended up reading an article um, from theartifice.com that is called Annihilation, The Alienation of Desire, um, that I think brought up some really interesting points. It talked about both the book and the movie, which I gather actually differ in quite a lot of places um, in terms of plot. But uh, there was a bit that I will I will quote from the article that says, both, however, pose subtle questions about the nature of desire, motivation, and drive. The question lies at the center of both the movie and the book. What does the alien want? And I was thinking about that a lot as I was rereading. Um, because when the expedition goes into Area X, like, the whole point is to, it's like, to to what end is does this exist? Like, what is the point of it? Um, and the article talks about this, too, that in, I can't remember which one it is. It might be the movie does this a little bit more with, like, clones and stuff. But... A lot of Area X is mimicking what is brought into it in terms of, like, the people and, like, what they are doing. Um, And so you have stuff, especially early on, where they're all very determined to stay on task or somewhat determined to stay on task. Where the ecologist, I think, is the one who's, like, he's, like, studying, like, birds and bird cries and stuff like that, like, trying to find, like, meaning and patterns in the animals. And he's, like, we can figure out what species they're echoing and hopefully to what end. And for these people, it's like the goal is they want to find motivation in this area. But, like, maybe there just isn't any. Like, maybe the the landscape is simply just reflecting the desires and sort of the energy of the people that are brought in. And that is how it adapts and changes. And thinking about it that way as I was reading was really interesting to me, too, because, like, the landscape is shaped by the people and the people are also shaped by the landscape in this kind of, like, <laughs> Um, Because time gets really, like, wonky here. Um, there are pretty heavy implications that perhaps all past expeditions were also the same expedition that we're meeting in the first place that also becomes future expeditions. And so it's like, how much of what expedition four is finding is actually just like things that their previous selves have laid the groundwork for them. Like how much of it is just area X reflecting back things that they have already like done or thought or felt. I don't know i just found that very interesting as i was doing my reread is thinking about it sort of as a broader scope of like how are the people and the environment impacting each other
0: yeah well if we're talking horror right i think there can be something really interesting and compelling about this idea that the the unknown the fearful thing was actually your own desire the whole time Mm -hmm. um that there there is something really scary about like oh this is what happens when my desire has an opportunity to, like, grow and be literalized and be externalized in some way, even if I'm not doing it on purpose, maybe especially if I'm not doing it on purpose. Um, And that ties back in a lot with a moment I referenced earlier that I'll actually mention specifically now, where they talk about predators and prey and mimicry. Um, Okay, let's see how I can explain this without just being like, they're plant people. Um, Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, the captain and the engineer come upon these sort of creatures that are made of plants that look human at one point that are like shaped like people um and so the idea is like oh okay so like if the humans are the predators then the plants would be trying to make themselves look like humans so that they're not uh, killed <laughs> basically can i can i resemble the thing that would eat me um and then you find out much later and I mean, I think you have an idea if you, again, are assuming this is a horror story, (laughs) that that's not the case. Um, But I loved the way it was laid out of like, all right, well, hold on. What if it's people becoming like plants because the plants are the predators here? Um, That hit so hard for me, and I feel like it does tie in quite a lot with this idea that like we are the hunter and the hunted. We are like bringing things in here that are only going to end up being our own end. Oh there is there's something so good there um and I think this fic and the annihilation world in general has a lot to say not always explicitly about the scary thing being the thing that is inside of us
1: Absolutely I think so much of this fic and like annihilation in general like the mimicry aspect is huge and like sort of the perversion of the self is huge um because so much of it is basically this premise that it's like it's the same but weird and like do we know why no and that goes for like every aspect of it um like you know the are you really yourself unclear um (laughs) and that that's not even just the sort of like are you a clone that area x has made of you um it also goes for just the like sort of do you, can you even think clearly like in i don't know if this is really happening to the characters in this or not but uh in the book there's a whole thing about sort of like the spores that come out of like the writing that the crawler writes in the tower that sort of start to like people start to think in strange ways and it's sort of like area x pulling them deeper and deeper and like you do feel the pull on these characters too it's like area x is pulling them in towards something and there's a perversion of like the plants and the the flora and the fauna of the land and I think the tower is one of the clearest examples, you know. It it's literally a hole in the ground. So like why are we calling it a tower? Yeah. You know, but that's how everyone sees it that it that it is going up towards something, that there is something at the top of it, which is really the bottom of it. Um and this is sort of contrasted too by the lighthouse, which is actually going up. Um and they are sort of opposites and pulling they both have like a sort of a pulling force i think both in in this fic and in annihilation um but yeah i really like the sort of like all altering the self perversion of the self perversion of the self's desires um and relationships that like the world of annihilation presents this fic does it in a more loving way (laughs) (laughs) again because like i think it, it fundamentally changes so many things and like i'm not saying this in a bad way at all like it just it just does fundamentally change so much about the world of annihilation when you make the tower nice. <laughs> um, and when you also make it human enough that like Ed can kind of still have feelings towards it and basically like before he kind of I don't really un I am I am not sure about the ending of this fic, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um he seems to meet Steed in some form, but I'm unclear about what form Steed is taking. Um, in the end, is he really there? Is he not? Brenna couldn't tell you. Um, but even before they sort of meet in seemingly more human forms, um, when he's hearing Steed in his head as the tower, it's it's much more human and it's much more comforting. Like we get the impression that Steed is a is a benevolent presence. Uh, here in Area X, um, which yeah it does like change the vibe, but. You still have all of these questions of like, how many times have they done this? Is this really them? Like, I, you have this question too. Or at least I did of like, if this is the fourth time Ed has done this, like, how much is Ed really Ed? Um, like, was a big thing I was left with in the end. Um, so I and really is it only, I loving
0: know. because it's the fourth expedition. Like, if we got to expedition twelve, would it still be so nice and like benevolent? Like, would Steed yeah. still mm-hmm. retain? a humanity Mm -hmm. can he
1: yeah so interesting well i think also like this fic the impression it gives is that each of the four expeditions have had the same members in the books it's different people some people do do it more than once but it's not the same people for 12 times um it would be interesting (laughs) because i think this one sort of posits a bit of that you know like we've it is the same and like it's unclear kind of what sent them or like if there is some larger organization, like it's unclear if there is something kind of acting as Southern Reach or not, like in this fic. Like, are they, why are they here? What are they looking for? Like, we don't really have any of that guidance. Like, is it truly just that like Ed has this connection with Steed and did this connection exist before they even sort of, I think, crashed their ship into this area of Florida and kind of got sucked into Area X? Um And is that sort of what keeps calling Ed back and back and back to Area X to, like, be with Steed, who is stuck there? Like, that's sort of my reading of it, which I like, (laughs) but I can't say anything with 100% certainty.
2: (laughs) Well, I think that would also, I mean, that definitely lends to the, the tag being a slash if it is that, like, Ed is constantly coming back and back and back to Steed. And I was thinking kind of the same thing about Steed the Tower being so friendly, where I was, like, is he so friendly because that's, like, inherent to who he is? Or is it that, like, the first expedition, like, made him friendly? Is it that, like, he was the first expedition and he became the tower? Because, Brennan, when you were talking about the canonical tower, you are like, I, the the words that it says are like i'm not reading the whole thing but it's like where lies the strangling fruit that came from the hand of the sinner like this whole like <laughs> it's
1: very yeah, it's ominous as Steve, hell.
2: like steed the tower is like hello how are you doing today <laughs> yeah. let me show you what's down this tower or up this tower or whatever you want to say um but uh, backtracking a little bit Brent, to what you had been saying kind of earlier about the sensation that area x is pulling them in that was one of the things i really liked about this fic that had a little bit of that like sense of creeping dread that i was looking for where um they have these quote-unquote compasses that don't actually work as compasses but they're supposed to point towards out basically they're supposed to point like there's a red light and it will flash when it is pointed at the direction of the fence in which they came in and um i don't know maybe a quarter or so of the way into the fic the engineer gets really worried and he comes up to the captain and he is like hey like they're broken but he shows that the insides are all messed up by plants and not just that they are messed up by plants but that the mechanical parts have been replaced by plants and that first realization for me was also it was the first time where i was like okay like this is where we're really starting to see area x like infringe upon the expedition like draw them in sort of like blur the boundaries between area x and expedition four um and it's like it is like yeah kind of freaky And then by the time all of the compasses go, they're so unbothered. Like, the fighter takes them and throws them into the fire. And, like, somebody tentatively is like, okay, well, like, how do we leave? And the fighter's like, do we even want to leave? And nobody answers the question. And it's like, there is still a decent chunk left of Fick at that point. But it's like like, they had already been, the moment that they stepped into Area X, they were not going to leave.
0: Yeah, there's a sense of, like, corruption to it that is really Mm -hmm. interesting. The first half of this fic was wigging me out a bit. Uh, The second half, I think, was a little bit lighter. Um, Not than the first half, necessarily, but I think it pulled us towards a much happier and more coherent ending than I think I was anticipating so I appreciated that because as we were going I was like oh they're plant people like the engineer is gonna come back and he's gonna be a plant well the engineer does still
2: become a plant
0: he does he does but I don't have to see all of like the details of that on the page
2: no but I do think there were more hints to it than I had realized at first initially oh yeah like he brings back fruit that he plucked, like from the heart of one of these plant people, to the lab. But That's then later, the, the like the ecologist is like, "Oh, I didn't see fruit in the lab." So I was like, "Oh my god, wait, did he eat it?" But then there's a bit where he's like huddled over the fire and he's like running his hand up in art like up and down his arm, like underneath like his jacket. And I was like, "Oh, oh my god, no. I had totally missed that the first time around." But yeah. like he shows the ecologist like something under his jacket sleeve and then pulls it back so that like Ed can't see it. And I was like. Oh, shit.
0: Like, was he already turning into a plant and I didn't realize? I think so. Yeah. And I I think those moments of sort of creeping horror to me were more present when there was less... Stead. Is that what they're called? (laughs) Oh, oh. Eid. (laughs) It's probably not Eid. Um, (laughs) The happening. (laughs) Um, But that also brought me back to this idea that, like... Maybe part of the reason that Steed Tower, the Stower, if you will, <laughs> is more loving and friendly is because that is the approach that brings Ed all the way to the bottom or the top of the tower mm-hmm. each time, um, or at least this time. Which is also in like again, we're getting back to the idea of like mimicry and like desire and what you want and what will what will get you to these ends that are circular that are coming from all kinds of different places all at the same time. And your own desire and reaction to desire is feeding into itself. It's just so, ah. Uh, but yes, engineer plant guy, freaky. Yeah.
2: Well, Nick, like off of that, something I was also thinking about on my second read was that. um, So right after that sort of realization where they chuck all the compasses in the fire and they're kind of like, or oh, do any of us even want to leave? It starts flooding of like biblical proportions. Uh, like it's raining and it hasn't rained the whole time. And uh, Ed starts making his way down the tower again. And like that is the time where he gets all the way to the bottom is like when it had been raining. And he finds out from the tower that it's only rained like it's rained three times before, like once for each expedition. And I was wondering if like maybe the rain is like again kind of back to like a biblical illusion of like a flood or a new beginning or a some like
0: yeah, an acceptance of like a rebirth.
2: Yeah, like it's it's the washing away of all it's of just their like old like redemption. What? <laughs> for the love of god. Anyway, I was making a point about like the cyclical nature yeah. of time and rebirth and Same the point. acceptance of you know being in area X and beginning I guess the cycle anew of beginning to prep for the next expedition to come but i guess we could just talk about the shawshank redemption it's the th- same
0: point Reed. it's about archetypal reign as rebirth okay well or like literally as birth
1: i've talked about this before if not yeah, on the you pod have. at least to yeah the two that's yeah, right why i said for the love of god because i feel like every time we're doing something serious <laughs> you bring up a movie like the shawshank redemption <laughs> that's a serious it's not like a comedy know, but i'm just saying the tonal shift is like comedic <laughs> it's Thank only you, comedic Brenna.
0: because you're mocking me
1: no. Nope. Anyway, <laughs> okay, not a, not at all on that topic. <laughs> um, but okay, this is something we've never really done on this on this uh pod before. But I would love to wreck a little fic that I'm. I don't think I'm ever gonna bring, but like, is one of the wildest things I have ever read. And if if you have like read the Southern Reach trilogy or like even know what happens in like the other books, um, I would recommend reading this because it is. Bonkers and brilliant. Um, It is called Area X is filmed before a live studio audience by Otpunk on AO3. Um, I'll put the link somewhere uh, when we post this episode if you're curious. But um, I don't know. It's bonkers and wild and wonderful and a completely different take on Annihilation in a way that I really enjoyed. So if you like Annihilation stuff, read this because I thought about bringing it to the pod, but I don't know if it will ever fit in well. And I think it'd be deeply confusing for everyone. So that's just my little wreck.
2: I think that's going to do it for our discussion on this fic. Um, Yes, very weird and unsettling and strange. Lots of questions. I think there are a lot of different ways you could read and interpret this fic and i don't know that they would be wrong i don't know maybe uh, ao 3 user silver penny has more thoughts about what is the right or wrong way to interpret this fic but something tells me that they probably would be okay with you having a, a variety of ideas about it yeah it was not as scary maybe as what i was going for for a halloween episode but i think definitely still fit just weird weird and unsettling um in a way that i did enjoy so yeah In my fic, two of the characters come across a village of little houses that are kind of weird and wrong. In Nick's fic, two of the characters discuss a house that is definitely super normal and has absolutely nothing weird or wrong going on with it. Nick?
0: My fic for this episode is The Dream House by AO3 user Karan Goonie. Maybe... Did my best with it. Uh, It is a fic in a script or screenplay format that was written as a Yuletide treat, fun fact, um, as we're re-entering Yuletide season once again. And it's for the fandoms Grand Designs TV UK and Cthulhu Mythos, HP Lovecraft. Um, In terms of content warnings, we'll start there. There's a lot of sort of eldritch nonsense going on. Um, I wouldn't say that the fic itself is like too horrible or horrifying. There is a mention of child death, just FYI. Um, it is very far in the past child death, but if you're sensitive to that, it's in there. Um, that's really all I would say for this one, though. I think it's a, a lighthearted framing on like potentially horrifying or horrible things, but you get shielded from a lot of that due to the format of the story in this story, uh, we it basically reads as a script for an episode of this show. In um, a really interesting way, I think we all have something to say about the format of this story, so I'll, I'll let us do more of that later. Um, but not only do we get the transcript of what is being said by our characters, but we also get these kind of like, setting details and visual details and things through sections as if it's like an actual script versus just a transcript so i thought that was neat uh we follow our host kevin mcleod as he goes to new england to learn about a new house that this dude walter (laughs) this may be disrespectful um, our man walter (laughs) uh, that's not better (laughs) Walter is trying a- An to, esteemed
2: professor, Walter. Esteemed <laughs>
0: professor Walter um, is trying to essentially reconstruct um, a house based on, based on these like mathematical impossibilities from notes from a previous person. So I found that all really interesting. This fic looks at the overlap or intersections between our understandings of magic and mathematics. Um, it also... I think does a really interesting job just with framing in general. Um, Who the heck would think to do this? Uh, I always love bringing a fic like that where it's like, wow, yeah, this absolutely would not exist if it were not for one or two people in fandom, right? Presumably whoever prompted this and then whoever executed it in such an interesting way. I actually would love to know what the prompt was. Uh, We don't get to know, so I would be very curious. Maybe we can hunt it down someday, but (laughs) not right now. We're busy doing a podcast podcast. Overall, like I said, I've had it in my pocket for a long time, so I'm super excited that we're finally getting to talk about it. And before I get more into my own feelings, I would love to hear what my co-hosts thought.
2: Yeah, I really liked this fic. I feel like we brought three very good fics. Maybe not the spookiest, but still like very good and weird and strange. I think this fic did such phenomenal work with its like tone and setting. And as you were saying, the framing of it as a script, I think, lent to that a lot. Um, I was also aided in reading this fic because this fic takes place in um, Essex County in a fictional town, but Essex County is a real place in Massachusetts, which is where Salem is located. And a couple of weeks ago, I was visiting a friend and we (laughs) went up to Salem in October for like, you know, spooky season vibes and whatnot. So I was really just sort of transplanting that New England vibe into this fic, and I think that worked phenomenally in terms of helping me feel really like settled in it. I loved that I did not have to know the canon of either of these to get, like, really into it and the story to know sort of exactly what was going on and to sort of guess at where it was going. And I don't know. I I think it's so interesting because, like, I feel like a lot of times with, like, a quote-unquote haunted house story, it's a thing where, like, somebody gets a house and they're like, oh, no, here's this, like, horrible past, but don't worry – we're going to build it anew and everything's going to be fine and then things go very poorly for them. But this was sort of the opposite where Walter gets this house that he's like, yeah, it was known as like the witch house and he's like, I'm leaning so far into what it was. Like, I want to sort of recreate it from the ground up as it was meant to be, as it was in the past. Um, And things still go a little bit haunted and spooky and sideways, but uh, spoilers, Walter doesn't seem to mind all that much. So like, good for him, I guess. Um, I loved that everything in this felt like it had a personality like the town itself was so vivid and bright the house obviously has a lot going on it's like a character in its own right in addition to kevin and walter um yeah this was just like thoroughly enjoyable
1: yeah, I adored this fic. I like. I didn't really know what I was like going into necessarily, um, because I think I have seen some episodes of Grand Designs, but I had no idea how it would translate into fic. And then I know absolutely nothing about Lovecraft or like Cthulhu stuff. Um, so that's a mystery to me. But. This was so good. I feel like it just had so many things that were like right up my alley in terms of like storytelling and like also like magic and weird magic and stuff like that. Um, I love a story about a house. We know this. Um, also like soliciting Rex for stories about houses. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> um, we're like the house is a character in the story, essentially, you know. Um, like in this one it's not like sentient or anything, but it's very much like part of the story and like basically a, a main character of it in a way that I absolutely loved. Um, I loved the sort of line between like science and magic and like how those are defined by different characters differently. Um I loved the like dream aspect and like Oh, it was just weird and it like reminded i I don't know, my brain was reminded of so many other stories and like pieces of media that I've really enjoyed while reading this in a way that I found delightful. I don't think even necessarily like intentionally on the author's part, just like it was bringing up for me other things I've really liked. So I'm excited to like mention some of those. Um but yeah, I had a really really good time with this. Um it's not an, like incredibly complicated story. It's also a very sh- well not very, but like it's a pretty short fic and it's a pretty quick read. Um and yet, I felt so like immersed in the world of it i also i love like a little spooky New England town vibe like it's not at all something I've had much experience with i've like I've never been to New England in the fall like
2: <laughs> you should it was beautiful um,
1: yeah i mean i have I have been to Salem, but it was like during the summer um so I mean, I would love to go in the fall some- like just to New England in general in the fall sometime um perhaps it's just my ancestral roots that are sort of. <laughs> <laughs> carrying me along here um but yeah i i had a wonderful time with this i like i would read so much more of of this story i thought it was really fantastic
0: yeah um i want to say a couple of things first just like i hope obviously we are loved craft haters on the pod uh ray the man uh, not fans he sucked um, I did do a little bit of digging about Lovecraft and some of the ways in which the Cthulhu mythos might be related to the story, because I had no idea. If I'm honest, I don't even I don't even fully understand Cthulhu. Like it's a monster. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like a kraken never showed up in this, so I just no. didn't really worry about it too much. <laughs> <laughs> there are some references. Um, I can elucidate a handful. Uh, one of the things we're talking about the setting. I guess Lovecraft really liked to set stories in the northeastern United States, so that's something for. Um, the main one that I was able to actually trace um, and like notice actually comes towards the end of the story, um, where Walter, we find him sleeping, presumably. And he has left for our guy, Kevin, a copy of the story, The Silver Key, which the Fick and Walter attribute to Randolph Carter um, in this story, which I found super interesting. I dug into this. The Silver Key is a story by H.P. Lovecraft, and the main character is named Randolph Carter. Mm. Um Fun fact I learned on Wikipedia is that the story was initially rejected and then the person who rejected it was like, ah, oh, give me another look the next year. And then subsequently published it and told Lovecraft that the story was violently disliked by readers. <laughs> <laughs> Just a fun fact for you. Um, in The, the story is about dreams. It's about dreaming. It's about fantasy and the fantastical. It's about this guy, Randolph Carter, who is dissatisfied with the kind of like, wrote math and science and boringness of the real world and wants to go back to his the dreams of his youth and after a while upon finding this silver key um which he is told to find by this like figure in his dreams who's the king of this fantastical city he dreamed of when he was young uh goes finds the key in a mysterious cave and the story ends with his physical adult self. Self disappearing from the timeline, and it ends with him as a 10-year-old boy. So very interesting, very thematic, felt very appropriate for this story, The Dream House, and Walter's arc. Um, But I wanted to note that because I absolutely would not have caught that reference, even remotely, uh, if we were not doing this for the pod, and I had not thought maybe I should like figure out what the heck that is. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Walter's arc is really interesting because it seems to both embody... Randolph Carter's arc but also like idolize it the way that he idolizes other people as well um, idolizes the mathematician who like magi- magician mathematician we're not totally sure what she is um whose notes that he found he was trying to replicate certain like impossible mathematical theorems he was trying to create impossible mathematical structures in his home um there's so much there I it's reminding me of our annihilation discussion a little bit because everything does feel so circular um And, like, it sort of feeds into itself. So that's my quick note on Lovecraftian mythology in here. I am certain there is more that I didn't pick up, but I'm going to be honest, I didn't feel like digging that much into Lovecraftian source material. (laughs) So this was the best that I could offer.
1: Yeah, I found it incredibly readable with absolutely no knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, I have none, and I didn't really feel like I was missing anything. I'm sure that there are, like, little Easter eggs, like what Nick was mentioning, that would be very fun if, like, you were familiar with that content, but, like it's incredibly approachable with absolutely no context whatsoever like it just reads like an original fiction short story um which is something i love too like again once again we are sort of at the boundaries of fan fiction in many ways um which i think is like a very fun place to be uh yeah i don't know like should we should we delve into some of what what goes on plot wise in this yeah
2: yeah I was going to briefly just touch on because Nick mentioned it that um, because so Walter buys this plot of land that has a very, very crumbled on house that belonged to a quote unquote witch. And the fic reads it's Walter's telling uh, Kevin, the host, she lived 300 plus years ago and the town records, which still exist, mark her down as a sort of witch. I think her understanding of multidimensional mathematics looked to people back then something closer to magic and like. Again, this is one of those things where I was like, I have no idea if this is based off of the canon of Lovecraft and I quite simply don't care. But um, I absolutely love like when a story leans into math as a form of magic and like when media roots magic in the sciences and makes it kind of real and tangible in that way. Like when there is a blurring of it. Um, I just love that in general as a thing. Like I, I think it is such a fun and good way to frame magic especially if you want it to seem a little bit less like ooh we're doing spells we're blah buddy, blah and for this specific story i think it makes a ton of sense and it kind of circles back to itself in or not circles back to itself but it it builds upon itself where at first walter is like i'm a professor this is very mathematic this is why i find it interesting and then it starts to get weirder and weirder like he talks about um i think kazaya i don't know if that's how you pronounce it but that's the name of yield Witch of past um he talks about how like people thought that she could like walk through walls and like leave one place and enter another and like that's why all of the walls in her like room or like her upstairs were built at weird slants and um there's a bit where kevin comes to check on the progress of the house and walter's like yes i had these bricks put in in like a specific sequence it's a mathematical joke in the walls and kevin was like what kind of a joke like a fibonacci sequence and walter goes distantly a sequence it came to me in a dream, actually, and I was like, Walter, no, Walter, bestie, you have started down a path upon which I fear you will not come back from. Once again, like, I don't know. Walter never seems to be super phased about the fact that he is um, slowly losing touch with reality and getting into witchy nonsense. So, like, maybe yeah. it's fine for him. Maybe he's
0: gaining touch with a better reality, uh, like true. Randolph
1: Carter.
2: <laughs> true.
1: Yeah, I was like, Walter, yes. Like, Walter, yes, <laughs> build build the weird room from your dreams with impossible angles that shouldn't exist, and yet somehow you've pulled them into existence and you are creating a room that will probably teleport you elsewhere and we don't know where, and I'm hyped <laughs> about it. Um <laughs> Yes, again, so many things I love in this in this fic. Weird dreams affecting reality. <laughs> weird houses portals (laughs) um i enjoy all of these things so much um yeah i don't know this was like spooky in the best way possible because i feel like you had this impression from pretty early on of this path that like uh walter was heading down you were like oh this house isn't going to be good. This is not going to be like a good, happy house. This man is going to live in. This house will be wrong in some way. Yeah. Um, I got and that some... sense
0: from the Cthulhu Mythos tag. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and the fact that you were bringing it for our horror episode. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, like, you don't necessarily know from that tag exactly what what part of this fic is going to be like the weird uh, eldritch aspect. Could have been Kevin. It's, it's the room that he builds, um, and it's. Like, he builds this perfectly fine and normal downstairs, and then he builds this absolutely bonkers haunted, like, bedroom upstairs, where he's like, yes, this is my absolute dream wink wink bedroom, um, filled with impossible angles, like, and it, it's gonna be great, and Kevin's like, I don't like this at all, this is super haunting. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know, I, I found it absolutely wonderful. It, I think, Part of the way that this fic is written really reminded me of, like, an old, good Twilight Zone episode. Like, mm. the way we have sort of Kevin as our narrator really reminds me of, like, the beginning of a Twilight Zone, um, like, introduction. Uh, which, like, I I love old Twilight Zone. Um, I think it's really, I mean, obviously it's had a huge effect on, like, so many other pieces of media I love. <laughs> but, like, I don't think this is surprising in any in any way, shape, or form. Um. Yes, I just imagine that instead of, at the beginning, Kevin being like, oh, we're gonna go check out this, like, weird but interesting house, because that's what I do on my show. It easily could have been, like, a Twilight Zone intro. I just looked one up. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's like, it could be, like, there is a fifth dimension between that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. It is an area in which we call... The twilight zone <laughs> and then we could <laughs> be introduced <laughs> to like walter <laughs> yeah. walter's weird house <laughs> yeah that sounds really good
0: yeah i like it well i think there is something kind of fun about i mentioned this earlier like the framing of this fic is so interesting because it like if we were just in walter's pov um in a third person narrative where kevin checks in every once in a while but we're really in like walter's descent this could be a much scarier i think Um, And I love the sort of lighthearted, like, we're still on a reality show, like, let me tell you about these things. The polite distance, the historical context, the, like, little clips and glimpses that we get, the personality that is in some of these narrative bits and establishing shot sections. I love that all so much. And I think it really, like this kind of framing invites you as the reader to really like picture how you would be experiencing this kind of a thing from the outside. Like I think of myself as generally just sort of like a normal person living in the world. If I were to meet Walter and like interview him, like I don't know, It's this is not a self-insert fic, but I think there is something there about scope um, and catching only glimpses, especially when you're in the horror genre, right? It's what is going on in that house? What is he doing? There's a point at which Walter is like, oh, yeah, um, what is it? Like our construction paused briefly because we found like the bones of tons of babies in the attic. And it was like, oh, horrifying. OK, wretched. Um, and they treat it with horror and like, what the hell? Um, but it feels a little bit different because as Kevin not as, I'm not Kevin, but like through the lens of Kevin and his POV to some extent, I'm doing air quotes there. It is this shocking moment where you're like, oh my goodness gracious. Okay. Yeah. There is something really horrible going on with this house. Um, And I don't think it takes it to the exact end that you might expect. It's almost a very peaceful ending for such a horrible story. Uh, Oh, it's so hard to explain how this like Lightness and kindness—it's reminding me a little bit, actually, of Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro. Have either of you mm. read that? Um,
2: I—I I remember in like high school, I think starting it and never finishing. it. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> I fair. I like
0: really need to,
1: but it's I, so ha- I have never.
0: Read it's it. really incredible. I read it in college, and I wrote a paper on it about kindness in narration, um, and the kindness of distance. And that is what I—that's what like what keeps coming up for me as I think about this story too. That it is like. And never let me go. It's a very different kind of story and a very different kind of horrible. Um, But the way that Kathy, our protagonist, our main character, narrates very gently, very kindly, showing us lots of nice glimpses of things alongside the horrible stuff, almost makes the story sadder, but it also makes it bearable. I don't know that I would have gotten through that book without the kindness that she tries to imbue the story with, even if it comes from a place of like, there's nothing I can do to change this. Kathy is not a rebel. (laughs) Um, And so... It's a little bit of a different context, but that same concept, I feel like, is resonating for me in this story as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think, like, having Kevin narrate this is such an intentional and interesting choice. Like, it, I mean, just as you were saying, Nick, like, it really changes how the story is presented to us. And I think he plays such an interesting role of sort of being... Both kind of a narrator to us, the audience, so sort of, like, here's what's happening. And, like, I I love a good, like, narrator moment. And, like, they're not all good. Like, let me tell you, I don't <laughs> love just any narrator moment. But, like, when it's good, it can be so good. Um, especially as, like, a little sort of, I don't know, just, like, welcome to this weird world, you know? I, I love that. Like, obviously, I just mentioned with Twilight Zone, like, I love this stuff. Um, But I think also, like, the fact that he's not just, like, an omniscient narrator, but, like, a sort of one in this world bumbling through the story of walters and like each time he comes back it's like what is happening here i'm unsure about this but i have to finish my television episode like it's so yes. good like kevin's commitment to finishing this episode of tv is like it's more i i think i would have bailed and said uh production network like find me a different house because i don't think we should be airing this like this is too weird <laughs>
2: yeah. the bit where there's like like walter builds this spiral staircase that is like so steep or whatever and kevin's mm-hmm. like ooh, this is freaky but like at least you can't fall down it and like walter very like ominously is like well the angles look impossible but actually it would not be impossible for someone to sort of <laughs> slip through the middle and then who knows where they would go and kevin's like ah, all right let's go look at what upstairs <laughs> okay. is going on there like yeah he's yeah. a professional through and through
0: it's very welcome to Nightvale in a sense mm. yes that yeah. similar kind of like tongue-in-cheek um Again, different to some degree, because Cecil, our narrator in Night Vale, very much is, like, part of that community. But he's like, hey, like, intrepid listeners, like, <laughs> I'll tell you all about what's going on here. And it's freaky
1: and it's weird, but we have a good attitude about it. It's So, uh,
0: interesting stuff.
1: Another, like, thing that this reminded me of is I have recently been listening to all of the Maguire uh Wayward Children's series on audiobook, um, which I really have enjoyed um i read the first one like two years ago and i don't know why i didn't finish them at the time but I've, I've been on a roll um and first off i just love the concept of that series it sort of follows a number of children who have found portals through two different worlds and worlds where they're sort of like supposed to be but uh, most of the time they end up not being able to stay there for one reason or another and come back to our world and struggle to adjust it's very like what like what if many kids found their narnias um But, like, I think it has so much heart and, like, it's a really wonderful and interesting series. But um, a lot of, like, the things in this reminded me of just kind of, like, sometimes we get scenes of characters who have grown up again and are trying to find their way back to their worlds and like this just made me think of an alternate universe where like walter had gone to a world shaped by impossible geometry and science as a child and like is trying to build his way back to it and like it also very much reminds me of this character jack in particular in that series who like she is my favorite character in in the books um but who is very much like kind of doing low-key doing magic with science but is very much of this mindset of like science is what makes anything possible i can do anything with science like science is the ruling force of this world but it doesn't have boundaries or limitations like which is like so i don't know i love it for her i mean hers is mostly kind of necromancy-ish. <laughs> um she's Whoops. basically an apprentice to like a dr frankenstein-esque character yeah. um but i don't know there was just so much of this that really reminded me of those books in a very interesting way and like um, this sort of calling that Walter experiences towards what I have to imagine is another world or universe or dimension through this impossible geometry because he keeps talking about like it's coming to him in these dreams he can slip through he's creating this this like doorway almost out of this these angles that shouldn't be able to fit together but they are um, just really reminded me of that and I don't know it was just another sort of touch point for me in reading the story that I found really interesting um, and like kind of enhance the reading experience for for me yeah i really get the
0: sense that lovecraft did it worse in the silver key (laughs) 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 because ostensibly that's the that's the driving idea behind a lot of this but there's so many other different kinds of ways to tell that story that i think sound more interesting to me
2: karen gooney could do the silver key but lovecraft could not do the dream house on ao3
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, genuinely true, a hundred percent, for probably several reasons. Yeah, Jesus, yeah.
2: Bren, I feel like I almost had not like an opposite, but maybe a parallel experience to you, where things that this fic was either referencing or media it was reminding me of was sort of. Um, affecting how I viewed it but for you you were like oh it's reminding me of all these things I like um and one (laughs) Uh thing I I really like that this fic did is it brought in or it referenced a bunch of like actual like art and like historical sites some good some bad like some like bad weird buildings and whatever um but one of the things it brought up was the I hope I'm gonna say this name right I don't know but the Escheresque square or stairs um Which I did have to look up, but then I was like, oh, yes, I know this artist where it's like, yeah, very like graphic, mathematical, illusion, impossible designs, like staircases that sort of wrap
1: in Mm -hmm. amongst themselves. It's like the bit in Inception. Thank you. I was just (laughs) going to say, yes, 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 yes. They build an Escher staircase in her mind because it it can exist in
2: dreams. For every time time that Nick brings up pastiche, our equal and opposite reaction (laughs) is bringing up Inception that's not even true we bring up inception so much anyway yes i I was thinking about the inception staircase but what i was also thinking about was um because when i was specifically looking at i think relativity is the name of the piece uh what it immediately reminded me of is um in squid game the sort of like central room staircase that they're constantly walking through to get from like one game to another was inspired by that piece relativity by um escher and so for me like I don't know what was just like one throwaway line in the fic suddenly became so much more ominous because I was reminded of this other media that was very um upsetting for a number of reasons. So I, I liked that too. I liked so much how the references that either intentionally or not intentionally were pulling in had such an impact um on what we were reading. And one such impact that I had was deep exasperation, not this author's fault, but there is a line where it references Hamlet and I was like fucking of course Nick would bring this like of course in this like fic that we're getting in like this lovely little New England town in the dream house we get a Hamlet reference
0: as we should one of the reasons I think this conversation has had so many other sources brought in by us is because this author does a, like such a good job at synthesizing sources in here. And for me, I think looking up the story of The Silver Key made so many things fall into place, especially this Hamlet reference. Because at first I was like, haha, sick Hamlet reference. I love it. I'm never going to complain. But now it's like, oh, it fits. Perfectly, Because if we're thinking about this idea that there is this dream world that we're always trying to get back to because our childhood was the time where we were able to have the imagination of something better and more beautiful and more interesting than this real world could ever be. Yeah, I too would invoke Guildenstern saying, which dreams indeed are ambition for the very substance of the ambitious is merely the shadow of a dream. A hundred percent. Ten out of ten times. I'm doing the same thing. So thank you to this author for understanding. Um, it's beautiful. I feel blessed that this story is so good and also has Hamlet in it. Um, and that it's executed in such a precise way. That's not a quote that you see on people's Hamlet mood boards. Um, maybe <laughs> other people don't have Hamlet mood boards, but... <laughs> Maybe this is not relatable content. Um, However, right, it's an obscure little reference. Uh, I mean, it's not the most obscure, obviously, in the play, but when you're you're pulling so precisely and you're making such intentional choices about bringing together so many different kinds of media, even the fact that it's a crossover in the first place, I think if you get it right, it's going to be an absolute home run. And that's what this fic felt like to me.
1: Yeah, should we also talk about the brief reference to the Panopticon? Because that would be kind of mm. on brand for college, Brenna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, can't, Brenna, we're running out of time. No, it's okay. I can, you can do it in eight but I'm words not... or less? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next time. <laughs> Sorry, Nick.
2: Sad news for you. I did just go on Pinterest and look up Hamlet mood board. I'm getting not a lot, to be honest. I got somebody's
0: um. People probably have them on private because they're embarrassed because people like you would go Can you look and mock them for their Hamlet mood, board? mood boards.
2: I would love to look up Panopticon mood board. Like, I've got this for Hamlet that's just like, it's like a theater set, like what they want they, their oh, theater stage to look like. Okay, boring. hold on. Panopticon mood board. It's a mess.
1: Oh! <laughs> What is any of this?
2: Oh, fashion.
1: <laughs> um, Not Ooh, what I was art. looking for. <laughs> we've got,
2: but... yeah, we've got some, like, w- cool cutout pants. We've got oh. um, Big Brother is really watching you yeah, collage. Um, Reasonable. The, none of this is Panopticon. I don't know. Pinterest is not giving me a good Panopticon. So disappointing. If
1: you're bored this people.
2: weekend. <laughs> 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 Maybe, uh um Brenna has been asking me to outsource some more spoilers without context so Bren maybe I'll outsource a
1: panopticon mood board to you (laughs) I absolutely can do that incredible
0: well folks we have to move on that was our discussion (laughs) of the dream house um a fic that is so many things at once and that is so interesting and creative and that I absolutely loved getting to talk about with my friends thank you
2: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fit Click. If you enjoyed the pod and you would like to find us in other places, good news, you can. Um, we're a couple different places on the internet. You can find us on Twitter at Fit Click. You can join our Discord community, the link to which you can find uh, Drumroll on our Twitter. Da-da-da-da. Um, yeah, thank you. That's really short uh, <laughs> um, it is a lovely community where we chat about all things fic and fandom and baking and pets and so many other things um we shout it out every time because it is so good you should join if you feel like saying hello um some people say they just lurk and they like to just like look at the conversations and that's cool too you are welcome to do that um if you'd like to get in contact with us directly and you've decided twit dms are not going to do it for you you can also email us at fitclickpod at
0: gmail.com if you are desperate to hand over money to FitClick, there are a couple of ways that you can do so. Uh, if you'd like to buy some merch, um, I have actually i it leaked from Vogue that the hottest new trend for winter 2022 slash 2023 is FitClick merch. Mm. So scope it out. Get it while it's hot. It's always hot, but especially right now. Um, And maybe you'll be on the runway eventually. You'll get scouted uh, to be a high fashion model. Um, If you are not interested in becoming a high fashion model, you can also support us via Ko-Fi, where we are also at FitClick. Oh, our merch is our Redbubble linked on our Twitter. I didn't say that. Just FYI, it's there. You can also donate via Ko-Fi. Uh, all the money that comes to the podcast uh, goes into keeping the podcast going, hosting costs, uh, microphone
1: stuff, software things, et cetera, et cetera. So
0: we appreciate any donations that you want to make.
1: If you listen to Click and you're like, wow, I love receiving fanfiction recs uh, from this podcast, um, boy, howdy, do we have an event for you. <laughs> we have just begun our annual fit click rec exchange woohoo! it's the best time of the year and we all know this unless you're new and maybe you don't know this yet but you'll soon find out um (laughs) you have between one and three days depending on when (laughs) this episode goes up uh to submit fandoms to uh be entered into the tag set um and then in a few days our signups will open um, so you're probably listening to this at the perfect time hopefully <laughs> <laughs> um this is also posted on our social media there are many updates everywhere because we want to get people participating it's been so much fun in the past um, you can go back and sort of read through past master lists if you want a better understanding of sort of what comes out of the exchange but basically you'll get curated fic recs, uh for you, especially, um, in your in your email inbox, amazing! Uh, it's so much fun. I truly look forward to it every year. So, um, if you've participated before, welcome back. If you haven't, I hope you will join us.
2: Yes. So, even if you miss the sort of tag set nominations period, which does end November first, signups will open up on November fifth. Um, and one thing that's really cool to do is you could get more friends involved in the Rec Exchange event, um, or just in the Ficklick community in general um we are a relatively small pod um with a lovely community but we always like to see that community grow and one of the best ways to do that is word of mouth so you know retweeting the pod um telling a friend about it who you think might like it uh leaving a review on apple podcast spotify i found out has reviews that's cool you can leave reviews there um yeah just getting the word out and with the Rec Exchange, now is a great time to do so. You can be like, hey, look at this super cool podcast and this super cool thing that they're doing. Because, fun thing about the Rec Exchange, you don't actually have to listen to the pod to participate in it. Um, so, please, by all means, promo that to any of your friends who you think might be interested, even if they are not necessarily podcast people.
0: Our next episode comes out on November 11th, and we are going back to our fandom classic series where we discuss one typically longer fic that had some lasting impact in fandom for some reason or another. So we are going to be talking about the fic Switch by AO3 user Cirrus Libera maybe i hope i'm close um, it is for star trek the new movies oh god i'm the wrong person to be doing this star <laughs> trek 2009 <laughs> the films with Chris Pine. original series exactly um, the relationship, uh, primarily is Kirk slash McCoy or Bones. Um, it's like 230,000 words long. So if you are excited to read along with us, uh, you like us, will be starting to do that now probably, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm super excited to talk about it. It'll be my second time reading it. And I'm sure we will have a ton to say. Oh, Thicklets, I'm so tired. I'm off to go inhabit a world that is significantly more interesting, exciting, and beautiful than our own in my dreams bye
1: well thicklets i'm off to go lie to god bye thicklets there's a really cool like patch of woods that's just
2: popped up near my apartment that seems like very fun to uh, investigate i'll get back to you soon with my field notes on what i find there bye